Hey there, welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. Declutter Your Life is Carol Wilkie's online class starting Monday, November 9th, using principles from Marie Kondo's best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Learn more at milehighchurch.org. And now, remembering what is mine to do with Josh Reeves. Great to be with everyone tonight. Uh, forgive me for being a little delirious. I didn't sleep too much last night. Uh, you either, I'm guessing. And yet, it was a historic day in our country yesterday uh, to set a historic vote count. Uh, so impressed, uh, even caught up in the suspense of it to take the panoramic view and to think that more people voted in this election uh, probably than at any other time in our history. That's a great thing to be proud of. And I know we tend to be cynical of politicians running for reasons of uh, greed and uh, self-focus, but I'd like to think that there are many who truly felt the call uh, to serve a cause greater than themselves. So I want to take a moment to honor all of the candidates in the United States that ran just for those reasons. It's, it's a lot to put yourself out there to be willing to be criticized and to be approved or not approved. And in particular tonight, I think I'd like to honor uh, the losers, uh, those people who didn't win, because I think it's a great um, act of vulnerability and willingness to put yourself out there, to be willing to serve, and then to not be chosen. It's a unique kind of pain. And I think I might even like to say that this talk is dedicated uh, to the loser or for those of us who may not be happy with where we see the results, be it in the presidential election or Senate, Congress, local, wherever it may be. And I've never ran for public office, but there was a very suspenseful election that I was a part of uh, back in 1991 at San Marino Elementary School when I felt the call to run for student council. And uh, this was during uh, the uh, George H. Bush administration, and I had a great campaign idea, and I still don't remember why I wanted to run, but I, I chose to. And so I had this idea to have this poster uh, with Dan Quayle uh, misspelling a lot of words. And if you remember, Dan Quayle famously misspelled potato with a young boy in the classroom. If you've never seen it, uh, I can wait. Go ahead and YouTube it. Check that out while you're watching us. Uh, but the poster went something like, Viet for Jush. And I learned an important rule of politics, which is to never underestimate the intelligence of your voter, but never overestimate it either. Uh, and apparently, fifth graders were just not that caught up in uh, the polit political scene. So the, the scandal immediately broke out that Josh is a very nice guy, but he doesn't know how to spell worth a darn. Uh, and so I decided not to suspend my campaign at the time, and I kept going, and I always remember it was, it was election day, and I got to give a speech. It was my first ever public speech, and it went terrific. I, I took another thing from the Bush administration. I had a pair of wax lips, and I took them out. I had several, and I wrote, vote for Josh in them, and that was a big hit, and I remember feeling the, the charisma and the energy of the crowd. I was so pleased. I couldn't have worked harder. I did my very best, and I didn't win. And I remember holding back the tears and walking home and getting into my bed and just bawling. I still to this day don't think I ever cried as hard as I did that day. And it's actually a warm memory between me and my mother because my mother was really there for me uh, that day. And that, I think that was the day that I felt my mom's love more than any other day in my life. And I try to describe what, what is that pain because the pain for me wasn't losing. 
It's this strange rule that can happen in the world and the universe sometimes where you do your very best and things don't work out for you. It's so unfair, that feeling of working so hard and knowing you couldn't have done better but not having the result that you want to have happen. It doesn't just happen in politics, does it? It can happen in our relationships. It can happen in our careers. It can happen with our health. It can happen in all sorts of areas in our lives when you've worked your damnedest and seem in that moment to have nothing to show for it but the scars of your experience. And when this happens, uh, I've learned that there, there's three things that we can do. Uh, the first is withdraw. We see this happen in politics. How many of us have hurt someone or in the last 24 hours pondered moving out of the country because of a result that you didn't want to see show up. Uh, and although perhaps understandable, perhaps maybe not the most patriotic act of working with your country. And so many of us, when we don't get our way, we withdraw. Another thing that we can often do is that we'll continue with the process, but we'll seek to undermine it. That person that won, they're my enemy. We see this in the sad states of politics in many places today where election season never ends. People never put it down, and as opposed to doing the highest good for your city or your county, your state or your country, you wind up trying to take down uh, the person uh, that is of, seen as the opposite point of view of you. And for me, this is not only a detriment to our country, but it's a detriment to, to ourselves when instead of serving a higher calling, we seek to tear down those around us in a longer vision of trying to lift ourselves up. And then lastly, there's that rare one of us who can take the high road, who can re-engage with the country or whatever it may be and seek the highest good. This was Abraham Lincoln's administration in the 1800s. He ran for president, and no one gave him a, a chance to get the Republican nomination. It was the first time there was going to be a Republican running for president, and there were three other candidates that were much more popular than he was, but the way that nominations worked back then is you would have ballots of all the representatives. And so although Lincoln was no one's favorite choice, he was everyone's favorite second choice. And so this propelled him to get the nomination. And these people that he ran against were not big fans of him and said pretty nasty things. And yet, he called all of them, when he did win the presidency, into his cabinet. They called it a team of rivals. This is walking the high road not just for Lincoln, but for the people that chose to serve and helped guide this country uh, to, to winning the Civil War. One of those gentlemen was even shot on the day that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And so, although rare in politics today, we still see this, where even... When we're unhappy, even when we don't win, we seek to continue to be constructive for the vision that we hold for our country and for our lives, never giving up and seeking to practice in alignment with that unity. You know, the message today is, what is mine to do? And I think that's a powerful question in light that I believe in our country, uh, not since World War II, have we been asked to do so much for our country. We have coronavirus taking place, and not only do each of us have to take the precautions to try and protect ourselves, but we're being called 
to try and protect other people. It's been one of the most heartbreaking experiences of my life not getting to have uh, people in our church. But we choose to do that to try and protect one another. I don't like wearing masks, but I choose to do it to try and protect my neighbor. So we're all asked to make these incredible sacrifices to try and keep one another healthy. When it comes to racism and injustice, the death of George Floyd, uh, uh, it's not about which side is right on the race issue and how do we make things better and is this person a socialist and is this person a fascist? It's, It's what is mine to do. When I saw that man killed. It it was so heartbreaking, and yet it was this immense visual version of a wound that called me, and I'm sure so many of us, to say, what is mine to do to help promote dignity for every human being in our country? You know, hearing that man cry, mother, as he was passing away, I can still hear my daughter. Every time she says, mommy, I, I hear his voice. It's haunting. It's tragic, and yet it's kind of a, a, a powerful reminder for me. Am I doing my work, not just for myself, but for my brothers and sisters around me, for equality, for love, for care for everyone? And then yesterday, we had a presidential election and had historic turnout. All of us called to uh, co-create our country together by choosing our leaders And whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, sick of all of it, you've got to be pretty proud of your base and how they showed up in this election. So we're all called, what is mine to do? Jim Clyburn is a congressperson from South Carolina. He was most famous recently in the the press because he gave Joe Biden the big endorsement in the Democratic primary in South Carolina to help propel him to victory and perhaps to being the next president of the United States. Uh, And he's known as as a fixture in South Carolina politics, but it took him almost 20 years to get there. He shares that on his uh, first election, it was announced on the news that he was up by 500 votes. And he walked into the bathroom and there was a, a party around him and his wife had let him, uh, left him a little note. And it said, when you win, brag gently. And when you lose, weep softly. And he always remembered that because it turned out that he wasn't up by 500 votes. It was the other candidate and he lost. He ran again and he lost. He ran again and he lost. A friend of his said, I guess it's three strikes and you're out. Clyburn said, well, that might be true in baseball, but it's not true in life. Eventually, he would win and he shared, there was just something that kept telling me, you can't throw in the towel. You've got to stick this out. You know, our state seal in South Carolina, we have a Latin phrase that says, while I breathe, I hope. While I breathe, I hope. And I've always felt that wherever there's life, there's hope. I never gave up. I kept running for office until I got it right. So in this aspect of withdrawing or undermining or working for the highest good, I invite you tonight to to consider your own life, not just the political state of the world, but to ask yourself, where in my life might I have withdrawn? A question I keep asking myself as a spiritual practice these days is, how how willing am I 
to receive love right now? And how willing am I to give love right now? How willing am I to be love right now? And sometimes, to be honest, the, the answer is no to one of those. And when it's no too many days in a row, I, I know that I've withdrawn in some way. It could be from my partner. It could be from my work. It could be from a family relationship. It could be from anything. But I invite you to ask yourself, where might I have withdrawn? And what would it take to get back in the game? To be willing to be fully loved and to be willing to be fully loving. This is a more courageous question to ask ourselves, but where am I maybe back in the game but undermining? Where has perhaps something not worked out in my life? A relationship, something at work, anything that might be going on, and, I, and I'm back engaged, but, but, I, but I'm angry. And I might even sabotage a little bit or be a little passive-aggressive here or there. Where in my life might I be back in the game but not in it for the highest good? One of my favorite quotes from our founder, Ernest Holmes, he said, You rob no person when you discover your own good. You limit no person when you express a greater degree of livingness. You harm no one by being happy. You steal from no one by being prosperous. You hinder no person's evolution when you consciously enter into the kingdom of your good and possess it today. Not only should we see that as true for ourselves, but for those around us, even when it may seem that they have something that we don't have, to recognize that we can all shine our lights brightly and that the greatest sin is when we think we have to dim our light in order for someone to shine or think that they need to dim their light in order for ourselves to shine. Holmes continues, he says, just keep right on knocking at the doorway of your consciousness until every no becomes a yes, every negation an affirmation, every fear a faith. Lastly, ask yourself, where am I living in such a way that I'm living for a power greater than I am? where I'm working not just for my own self-interest, but for the good of all of those around me. Especially when you feel punched in the gut. Especially when you feel like you've lost. That's the time more than any time to recommit yourself to what you value most and what you believe in. And that no person seeming victory around you can take that away and your role to empower yourself and life around you. Sometimes this means finding a new cause, finding a new way to be in the world. I love how the New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof puts it, writing with his, his wife, Cheryl Wudun. She says, talking about helping others can easily sink into soggy sentimentality, even sanctimony. But the most important counterpoint is that reaching out to try to help especially when we do it as a social activity, isn't a Gandhi-style sacrifice. It's a source of fulfillment, even joy. Over the past couple of decades, a growing stack of evidence has shown that social behavior, including helping others, improves our mental and physical health and extends life expectancy. Be courageous enough not to withdraw. Be courageous enough not to undermine, 
to villainize or to damn somebody else. Own your part in this thing called life and find that which calls your heart to serve in a pure way. The authors give us steps to do this. They say, step one, find an issue that draws you in and research it. Step two, volunteer. Get involved or do something more than just writing checks. And lastly, use your voice to spread the word or advocate for those who are voiceless. Sometimes money or even supplies won't fix a problem. It needs a change of awareness or a holding accountable of politicians. So what are, what are those causes and what are those things that matter most to you and how can you participate in them in a healthy way? And so in the light of election day or election months or whatever it may become to be, whether you're pleased with the outcome that's showing up or you're not pleased with the outcome that's showing up, remember that there's always that opportunity to tune back into ourselves, to remember we only lose when we sacrifice our own values, when we surrender our own power to the power of someone else or the perceived power of something else. Remember that creative power within you and your ability to bring it forth into your life in creative, innovative, and courageous ways. So just closing with some words from Ernest Holmes, some prayerful words. He says, The Spirit never rejects me. Remember that. The Spirit never rejects me. I accept myself. I realize my center in the divine mind. I know that I am one with all the good there is. I am one with all the power there is. I am one with all the peace there is. I know there is nothing in me that can condemn or be condemned. There is nothing in me that can judge or be judged. I know that my word uproots any sense of rejection from my consciousness. And so let us begin the work within ourselves to transform any denial into affirmation, to allow any sense of woundedness to be cared for so that it may grow scar tissue, teach us an experience. And may we look at ourselves, our lives, our nation, and realize that it cannot be greater than that vision we are willing to set forth for it. May we set a vision for ourselves of prosperity, of love, of harmonious living. May we set a vision for our relationships and our personal life as one of intimacy, of growth, and of joy. And for our nation, may we re-resurrect within ourselves the promise of our nation, the promise of freedom for all beings, not just in our nation, but all human beings, that initial striving for freedom implanted in us by Father, Mother, God, so that we may live more fully, more completely, free of any bondage, to express 
and co-create together a nation and a world of dignity, of mutual respect, of justice, and of that profound love that is the spiritual birthright of each and every one of us. May we open our hearts a little bit more today, not only to receive it for ourselves, but for those we may even vehemently disagree with. Allowing this love to continue to guide and unfold, we continue to listen tenderly and openly for what's next for ourselves and for this life we co-create with spirit. And so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.